0: Hello and welcome back to Coffee and Contemplation with Susan. This is episode 31 and it's the first episode for 2021. I am a life and business coach as well as a mentor operating out of Noosa in the Sunshine Coast, Queensland. And I started this podcast just about nearly, almost a year ago and it's now had over 1,500 listens. It's been listened to in over eight countries. So I'm pretty happy to see that um, people's stories are being shared and that people are even t- telling me um, little snippets of some of the episodes that they've liked. The point of the podcast is, is real people sharing stories, showing their human Side, their darkness that they may have gone through and the light that results from life experiences uh, some of their inspiration and what they're working on and you know what really matters to them the point is that we all have stories inside our head and I think sometimes we listen to our own stories and think we might be alone but I think it's really important for us to listen to stories uh, from other people and you know it just might you know make something else shed a different light on what you're thinking about at the moment. Obviously, I coach women, so I hear stories every day and I absolutely love it. And then we delve in deeper and um, and we see where that person might be able to make better choices and make changes towards what their biggest dreams are. What I do is I usually send up questions to the guests beforehand so that they've got an idea. Nowadays, I actually also get to have a bit of more of an understanding say, for instance, today, um, the guest that I've got on is someone that I didn't know um, beforehand personally. So I like to have that chat and then I shape some questions for them to have a little bit of a contemplation themselves first, which is also another benefit. I'm asking people from every decade of life, so starting from 10 years old to 19-year-old, and I am still and I will find someone in the 100-year-old to 109-year-old bracket at some stage. So it's also that cross-generational storytelling and I think, you know, we miss that in our culture nowadays that young people don't necessarily get to hear uh, how a 90-year-old grew up and, you know, what was their life like and, you know, the 80-year-old who, you know, was born the same week that World War II uh, began. Today I've reached back into the circle of guests and they know the theme and the idea behind the um, Coffee and Contemplation with Susan and who I'm inviting on i said who else are you inspired by because obviously when you connect with these type of people that i've had on they generally do hang out with other pretty cool people so today's guest is referred by lisa williams from episode 11. lisa was a woman whose motto was throw out the rule book on parenting and she has recommended that her sister jody Come on. Uh, Jody was born in Kuroi, just in the hinterland here behind Noosa, and she spent her whole life in Noosa. Uh, she's fifth generation, and that is a rare thing to find of a woman of her age. She's in her 40s. She does so much, and she inspired me just listening to her. Uh, we did actually do a recording last week, so this is a re-recording because the sound of her cafe just went through the roof when they suddenly got torrential rain out in Kinkin. Kin. Uh, Jody is the founder of Black Ant Gourmet. As I said, she does purposeful, extraordinary things for her community. I loved that she said to me when we first talked is that what she wants to deliver to the world has to benefit the planet. You know she's done so much and created a ripple effect in her community. She's looking at new avenues to to do more. And today she is looking so completely chilled. When I'm obviously I see her face to face today compared to last week, so something changed. So uh, we'll cover all of that. So we'll get started and you know, welcome Jody. Thanks, Susan. So what I was thinking is we might talk about your origin, and I think the the idea that you're the fifth generation Noosa Shire girl and you were born in Karoi I was thinking what's the best significant change you've seen in the area? So for
1: me the best significant change for the area would have to be the way that we have grown or developed with the focus on keeping the environment um, protected and the way we've kept it green and the way we've not gone up we've gone further out rather than um, putting high-rises in and things like that i've seen a lot of places in the areas develop and i think this has handled this one quite well
0: mm. great. and what was it like what was it like growing up here what did you what was the feeling like a lot of people feel like you've got to come from the city and it's, you know this all go to the city to actually live a life but what's your take on that
1: Oh no, oh, so I, I went to the city for a very short period of time and I decided it wasn't for me and I came um, back to Noosa pretty quickly and I found Noosa, growing up in Noosa was incredible. Obviously there's a lot of things that have changed like footpaths along the national park and I remember stubbing my toe oh, a thousand times going to Tea Tree Bay as a little kid. Uh, but I also remember walking those trails and recognising most of the faces, and that that doesn't happen much anymore. Uh, but still, it's that's some of my memories that I'm very appreciative for. Roller skating down Goodchap Street. Oh my goodness! If you did that today, you'd get run over for sure. Riding <laughs> or, riding horses where the library is now and along the river. And being able to, yeah, just that freedom uh, that, I mean, I know you can't do that now. There's so many more people and so many more rules and that comes with having so many more people.
0: And as being a little girl growing up here though, did you did you feel like it was like you were living in a holiday town or was this, you know, what was it like living that way?
1: We were really lucky. There was a lot of caravan parks and two of my friends happened to own the caravan parks. So, we knew what Noosa was and would always be. It is tourist-orientated. It's been like that forever. For the whole vibe of holiday season versus um, non-holiday season, Mm -hmm. we knew when you went to school, you don't really recognise the difference too much, um, except on the weekends it's not quite as busy. But on the holiday seasons when there's so many more people and they're coming up and having their, their holidays and they're they're having a lot of fun and you get to meet some fantastic people. I've met some great friends from the Brisbane area and Sydney and Melbourne. They used to come up here as kids and they're all over the place now. I mean, they don't live in Noosa necessarily, but they don't live in Australia either. They're, they're all over the place. But having those memories and we have that common ground and remember. And it had its good points and its bad points. Don't get me wrong. And the good points was you knew everybody, and the bad points was
0: everybody knew you as well. So
1: you go, how did my parents find out about that? And yeah, it was very much around you, everybody.
0: So, so there were caravan parks, but was it? that people, oh, I'm sorry, I know that there's people that used to come down that were sort of like, you know, the wealth of Gimpy would always come down every single year since, you know, the 40s. Was it like that? Were people coming down to their own little holiday houses or shacks or was it about, was there any type of bigger accommodation then? Oh, yeah,
1: there was plenty of bigger accommodation, but people were happy with bringing their vans and their tents as well. Uh, At the end of Hastings Street, the woods was very famous and walking distance to three different types of um, waters. Like you've got the beach on one side, you've got the river mouth on the end and then you had the, the river with calm waters on the other side all surrounding one caravan park. It was incredible. For the accommodation side of things, I think there was a lot of people that... When they could they bought investment property with the dream to retire in noosa when they finished needing to be in the city that was that was common
0: was the river mouth where it is now when you were young
1: pretty close by but it always changes it changes every year sometimes dramatically and sometimes very very slightly i had a, a wonderful uh, picture of all the different changes over a period. I think it was every two years. There was an aerial photo of the river mouth, and just going through that over a 20-year period, and I was amazed at how it would change so much and the difference uh, between yeah. when it had rained and not rained. Yeah.
0: So the walls were there, though. Like the new, um, the man-made part of the woods was there. Was it?
1: Some, some was no. The woods ended where the caravan park was, and then they built out the extra, and then the rock walls were added as um, for protection to stop the extra addition to Hastings Street from washing away.
0: Okay, so you saw all of that going on.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. We got to see uh, a lot of that and the changes involved. Um, involved in that and then the different areas and how the infrastructure like car parks made a difference on where people would go and different types of uh, either tourists or small businesses um, where they they pop up next and yeah it's interesting
0: the other side of it is you know, what's the most detrimental change you've seen and have you have you any ideas of solutions if there's anything that you've seen that you think needs to be changed
1: no, I think on the flip side of that is the development and, and people moving up here. Um, I think that the only bad thing that I can see is that people that move up here don't know how to relax into the lifestyle that it used to be, so that's changed. Then I don't think you can really suggest ways of going or changing that. So I think it was... But definitely a cruisy coastal town and then as people moved here with a different um, a desire for services and a different um, element of what was satisfactory or not, that then up the ante to the point where sometimes people don't know how to just relax a little. Once you're used to something, you can't just give it up. If you used to no. have coffee or coffee, 5.30 in the morning and and like Noosa was a sleeper town back then. I, it was quite common that shops wouldn't open until 7, 7.30 and that just all started to slowly change but there was enough need to service it. We're mm. back, back in the old days, not as much of a need to service it.
0: I was thinking Lisa, your sister, when I asked her what would she like to hear from you? And she said that you're very good at big picture stuff And then you work your way through the frustrating things to realise your dreams. And she suggested that I ask you about the strategies that you go about accessing industry bodies and mentor groups to help you get the processes underway. So I was thinking in relation to that, we were talking about that um, affordable housing earlier. Would you like to talk about that now?
1: Yeah, um, I suppose in all my little projects that I do I look at the challenges and I think can I do them and I dissect them and I have a plan A, B, C and D. I aim for the plan A because that's the easiest and the best results and as little hurdles come up I tackle the bits that don't work and change and get advice and manipulate and work things out so that it can all work out for everybody and I suppose we're One of the best things is we've got so many industries to help and to problem solve and data, data and stats that we can then go, oh, so do we need this? Yes. Who's the target audience? Who needs it the most? Does this fit them? Yes. Is it affordable? Does it fit their budget? Yes. And that's just like a set of little bouncy balls that you follow and then before you know it, you go, hey, I could have a, business out of this and it's solving it's solving issues it's ticking all the boxes and getting help from people Um, and once it's up and running the marketing side of it to make sure that it is a success
0: and you're talking about I mean I know you've got a few projects that you're not like a woman who's just got one project going as in um, your black aunt um, gourmet is obviously one major projects you've got but you were talking recently about um, you know what you deliver to the world benefits the planet in all that you do so that's important to you and in the Noosa News just this week I saw there was the affordable housing issue did come up that you know some you know young couple you know struggling to find accommodation and that yeah. they're up against people now being able to pay six months rent in advance and that's a competitive mark for one tenant over another tenant like it's just quite extraordinary so What is that work that you're thinking about doing in that respect?
1: Well, seven years ago now almost, yeah, about seven years ago um, I met a, well, I got asked if I'd like to do an innovation masterclass because I'd already done a couple of problem solving things and they got a group of us together and Colin from Causeway put us through our paces. It was a business coaching but it was innovation based. And we recognised problems and came up with a, a concept and it was, it was compact housing that would benefit the affordable housing crisis that I could see was going, what well, was happening then but not as in your face as it is now and which is looking like it could get worse in the very near future and now it's become a little bit more urgent than what it was six or seven years ago. So I've been working with my partner on... very similar to the tiny house talks and designs, but this isn't... It's not a tiny house. It's the next level up, and it's about compact housing with all the mod cons and little extras that give you extra space, extra design, and without losing any of the creature comforts. So it's... I think as humans having that slightly smaller footprint and being able to if needed utilize the common areas like moose has got so many amazing places like cafes and restaurants and national parks and places that you can get out and about that having a small home is something that is achievable I came up with our our tag was live small to live a little, I think it was, yeah. just at our, okay. in, at our business coaching weekend that we were at last weekend, my daughter and I, and I, I just thought if you don't have a massive debt and you can live in something that um, is smaller, it might free you up to do more things that you would normally do if you had a big house and big mortgage and all those things.
0: So it's a little bit like how we've seen in the city, how everyone's living in more of a sort of studio type apartments or yeah. smaller dwellings. But they're obviously stacking up pretty high down in Brisbane and whatnot. Yeah, no, uh, it's not stacking people up. It's
1: it's a little bit it's a little bit different. It's a little bit more um, different concept. But I only pitched the idea to our local um, MP and mayor. Still in early stages. There's a little bit of a couple of little hurdles that I don't think are a major issue yet. But I'll, I'll hear more about that in the next couple of weeks.
0: Okay. Well, I won't actually divulge any more secrets. No, don't you worry.
1: No, no but <laughs> I just might need to adapt a couple of ideas. That's all.
0: Okay. But that is—is is that a mother-daughter project? Is it?
1: No, that's um, um, a mother partner. So Brett um, and I been sort of. Thinking about that, we're, we're actually um, building a couple at the moment just for family and staff and we've we've had the pleasure of doing a couple of small prototypes and, yeah, this is something we're just evolving and changing them and looking at ways that we can improve. And
0: You've also talked to me earlier about what I thought at first you said was a round earth home but then you corrected me and it's a rammed earth home and recycled timber. So, again, that's something that you've actually thought outside the, the common theme of housing is that something you've just done recently or is it something that's been a project also for a long time or and do you live in it
1: we started researching rand earth probably about four years ago and we love the idea of it we've had a cool field block home before and we enjoyed the benefits of that cool in summer and warm in winter and all those things but we thought there's more it's got to be a more sustainable way of building. So we built a dam and we kept the dirt and we made our house from dirt and recycled timber. Um, Some of the timbers are new and they were from um, trees that were already fallen or being cut down for fencing in the local area and we hired somebody with a, a Lucas mill and together the team milled a lot of the timber Obviously, not the timber for the roof, which is, you know, pine and things like that, but everything below the roof line is either recycled timber or milled close by, uh, timber from grown close by. And the concept there is the materials are local. They're producing work and income. The recycled stuff is obviously reused. That's good. And the label is a little bit more than we were hoping. But at the end of the day, if it employs people and creates jobs, then that's another win. It's amazing to live in the acoustics and the sound and how it, it can be noisy outside. It's so quiet inside and that obviously the thermal benefits are twice as good as the core block because the walls I think I think these walls are four hundred wide, and it's not it's not mud brick and it's not straw bale. It's just Form work and layers and layers of dirt rammed down with um, lime and and um, deco, which is like a granite crumble and a little bit of white cement for stability to tick all the boxes for engineering. And my partner Brett has and his team have been working on this for two years and it's amazing. And it's called Mayan Farm. And during COVID, our cafe restaurant, which was the biggest part of our business, was shut down and we suddenly realised how vulnerable we were. Uh, pandemic, I didn't have that one covered. I needed Plan E. <laughs> but <laughs> we, we decided that, you know what, oh, we kind of like living in our tiny home and being minimalistic and we decided that it would be smarter if we used this as an accommodation place to show off the benefits to others. At the moment, we're doing a two-night minimum stay and it's designed for four people, so two couples, but there's room for more and just the space. It's very Tuscan, vintage, industrial combination with a bit of a hippie vibe with with the uh, recycled timber and dirt walls, but, yeah, we've had a few guests, which is cool.
0: Okay, so without naming names, you, you were talking about there being a helicopter pad there, so people can actually yeah. land there. Yeah. So and so obviously it's out there. Is it? It's like it's out there to Melbourne.
1: Yeah. So I yeah we've had quite a few um, inquiries. One of the things that we do offer is we do offer that um, helicopter landing. The feedback that we're getting from our um, guests is wonderful. Just to escape. beautiful views and just
0: relax yeah well done well done hey I was thinking so without missing it because obviously you know our chat will go pretty fast I thought we'd just maybe talk to you about the black ant gourmet you know the origin of it and that ripple effect um, as I talk about in coaching that you know one small thing obviously it impacts many other lives so just talk about that with me a bit like you know the ripple effect out to your local farmers and you know what's that been all about for you?
1: As a family, we decided we wanted to have a little bit more control over um, what we were putting on the table. And so we had a couple of pigs and a couple of lambs and grew our own beef and a veggie garden, collected our own eggs and chickens and ducks and we were pretty... We taught our children that to be a little bit more sustainable. So we obviously were, being in Kuroi, we had our own... Um, Water collection and it was in rain tanks, and we had our own effluent disposal. As we got experience in that, and we, then we decided to move to KinKin, Kin, we had the need for a commercial kitchen from a catering company. And from there, we decided to go bigger on all the other things because we had a need which was providing for our shop. But then the shop grew and the catering grew, and then I was struggling to do everything with even with my daughter and my partner Brett, they were the farmers and I was in there and we had a team and my daughter was in the shop as well and all the different things that we were doing, growing our own chickens and growing our own beef and growing our own pork and all the rules and stuff that we had to do like all your weigh bills, and your, you know you had to take it to the abattoir and then take it to the processing, to the butcher and then, then deliver it and all the health rules and everything involved with that. And the busier the business got, we just couldn't keep up. So then we just started to drop jobs and buy from other local farmers doing the same things. We were inspired by a guy in America called Joel Salatin, and I had the pleasure of meeting him at the J. oh, goodness, probably about five years ago now, maybe four. That was amazing. He's obviously also... Passionate about what he does and loves tackling things and problem-solving things. So he's doing something a little bit outside the box over in there, which is animals that um, they use for the table are also providing a service and a job by fertilising and by it's a it's a massive symbiotic relationship or holistic approach to growing food because you need both to do the job and having the right cycle is important. So we sort of started to do that, and then got involved in a group called Noosa Slow Food and Country Noosa, and all of these guys. and And very quickly, it was very quickly established that that supporting local has an amazing benefit for the whole community, keeping the economy in a tighter unit with a village like relationship. Is amazing for employment, for, for um, economy, and everything. So it's, the produce is so much better as well because you know where it's coming from, it's clean, it's uh, fresh, it's not going all the way to the markets and then coming all the way back. There's all those benefits uh, for the consumer and
0: the producer. Mm, you're in such rich country out where you are, too, Kinkin. It's just so green, yeah, isn't
1: it? Yeah. yeah. And we've got the Mary Valley and Gympie and, and I mean when I say local obviously it's not all happening in Kim Kim although we've got a fair bit going on out here but as long as it's within that you know 100k radius there's some things that we can we would never be able to grow potatoes and saying that we have done it once yeah little things you need sandy sandier soil Gatlin's great for
0: potatoes and onions and all those things oh that's true yeah it is as well. yeah. <laughs> As a, a woman in business in a, in a local town like you're in, what's the most wonderful thing you saw that changed in the local community with this whole COVID-19 disruption?
1: There were so many things. Um, everyone that I knew in our town felt for the other people. There was people that lost their jobs, people that had to close down their businesses and a lot of people scared. There was a few people that doesn't think it's happening That's you know, and everyone's entitled to their opinion, but at the same time as a business that follows the rules that are laid down by government legislation, I have to follow what they say and I have to go, right, well, these are the rules and this is what we do. So I suppose the best thing was a lot of people were happy to understand the changes and adapt to the changes that we've had to put in place for whatever reason. Suddenly so, I mean, they weren't allowed to come into the shop and they could only get takeaways. But we adapted pretty quick. Um, I had a little bit of a meltdown at first because my 90-day plan kept getting thrown in the bin like every 24 hours. <laughs> <laughs> and then I had a little wig out and was about to spit my dummy out and I had a bit of a phone call with my business coach and my accountability coach and they said, just relax, take, don't do a 90-day plan, do a one-day plan. I'm like, oh, thank God for that. One day plan it was for about two weeks.
0: <laughs> yeah, I think that was all we we could do, wasn't it, from around about March, because you just didn't know what was going to change.
1: Nope. Well, it's, um, and it kept evolving, and nobody knew yeah. what was about to happen. That was one of the most unsettling times of my life, not knowing, not not being able to look at what what could happen based on past experience. So there's in my lifetime and the documents. That i had access to there had never been a pandemic so it was no. global and it was like well which countries are affected oh my goodness how's that going to affect this and how's that going to affect that And like just just breathe and not worry about it and just take mm-hmm. it down as it comes so that was yeah that was interesting
0: i think most businesses that aren't health related like me, obviously my old business we did have to have a pandemic planned in our you know, disaster recovery um, model for our business because we were going to be drawn in to the pandemic. Yeah. Like I was going to have to supply nurses. But, gosh, the amount of um, yeah, the amount of change that was going to make to my business as in ramping it up was insane, you know. So I could see the other side. It's like that abyss where people are going, oh, my God, are we going to survive this week with what they actually were up to financially and whatnot? Yeah, no,
1: that was tricky.
0: Mm. you have got quite a lot of amazing projects underway so how do you actually manage that how do you do that so that you're looking as chilled as you look right now because your your sister would be telling me that you know ask you about self-care and last week we spoke and like oh I don't know about self-care but you're looking really chill so how are you looking like that with all that going on in your head
1: oh okay so originally As I got busier I would just get spread thinner and thinner and thinner. This past weekend we did a four-day business coaching. It was pointed out to me that at some stage I have to let go and climb the ladder. We've got like a employment ladder. You start off as an employee and then at the top transition from owner to investor to entrepreneur and I just had to climb that ladder one one more rung and then that let everyone underneath me climb the ladder as well. So on the weekend mm. I have pulled myself out of the cafe restaurant as advised and I'm letting my team do and uh, with who I've got an awesome team. They're so good. They are kicking goals this last couple of weeks and everyone's just stepped up and it's they all pulled together and I'm pretty much confident that I don't need to be there. I know.
0: I, I can see that change in you. It's like there's a change in your eyes and everything. You're just yeah. like, ah, oh, I'm glowing. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and have, having, having that confidence in your team members is, and I couldn't have probably done that without the business coaching that I got on the weekend. Um, mm. it, it's quiet. And, look, I'm still here. I'm not, I, trust me, I'm not involved in it anymore I'm 100% involved I've just transitioned to a different spot I'll set up a new email address I hand over my old email address to my 2ac who's my daughter who's taking over the management and I'm going to be doing the jobs that I've been trying to do finishing of the systems I I had that delegated that wasn't done so now I'm tackling it myself which is great because I have all the knowledge I have the ability and I have the skills I didn't have the time So by standing down from my position of trying to be all, and mind you, in the middle of the cafe, (laughs) so I'm trying to, you name it, I'm trying to invoice, I'm trying to pay bills, I'm doing this, I'm doing that, and I'm like, hi, how you going? Hi, going. It's just crazy. (laughs) So yeah, so now I have an office, and that's that's my place. Yeah.
0: Have you got a new title? What are you calling yourself as a, a title? Is there such?
1: No, I'm still the I'm still the owner of the business, but I'm no longer in the business. I'm working on the business. I'll still pop in, don't get me wrong, mm-hmm. be there, but nobody will come running to me with seven problems. Jackie, yeah. what do we do with this? Do have, I'm not sure what to do with this because I've somebody else to go to that will problem solve, and I know they'll do good jobs, and and we'll have a an amended org chart, and everyone will have their KPIs and. I'll just be at the end of each week to start with going, how did it all go? I'm more managing a core team rather than being accessible to the whole team. And I'll be honest, if somebody comes to me and asks me a question that could be answered by somebody else, I usually redirect them. But that takes time too.
0: But it's a fun step up in business that you're putting yourself through. I think, you know, yeah, yeah. there's that space where you need to get to, my focus is doing the, the big good things and making that happen because all the other stuff has to happen below you, but you've got to just get the focus. You can't be everything.
1: And I've realised, and haven't worked out why yet, but that's going to take a little while to unpack, I feel, but I've realised that for some reason I like to keep myself busy and Hmm. I'm easily distracted and I love challenges and I love problem solving and I will work out why I do all these things. But in the meantime, I'm just going to focus on improving those so I'm not distracted and I am focused and I follow through and don't have so many projects on the go and hand them over completely before I start the next because that's how you get sprinted then.
0: You've done everything the way you've done and you're successful and, you know, now your team has got that as you as a role model. You know every part of what you've achieved, and you probably did need to do all that work, and it's okay yeah. now. As you said, you stepped up the next step in the ladder. So yeah. great. Hey, so how about we move to the ending little bits now? Do you have a favorite quote or a poem or a mantra that you call upon when you need it? It's
1: probably going to change soon, but it used to be uh, used to be a. a little saying it was swimming, swimming, just keep swimming because my sister <laughs> called me Dory. Was better, but not in a in a bad way, in a good way because I would be like a million miles away uh, chasing something can, and then next me and I'd be like, oh, look at this and away I'd go. The thing is I'd always go back and I'd always complete and push through to the other side. I'd just get busier and busier. So I actually kind of like it because I think it's funny because it suits who I am. Um, I am always doing stuff and on the go and like to be achieving and, and do still like to see the beauty in things. So that's easily distracted when you live in a place like this, isn't it?
0: Mm, exactly, yeah. Okay, so you probably have that next level up of, um, again, you'll probably come up with some new cool mantras as you're developing all the things you're doing. The, the yeah, absolutely. Now. yeah. yeah. Um, is there a favorite song that you sing out loud when you're driving from kinkin to noosa
1: yeah be uh, well it's it's driving anywhere it's mm-hmm. have to be feeling good by nina simone good chance to let off some steam the, the other one i love to sing, which my, my team don't necessarily half my team love it half of them don't it's a bohemian rap city and it's when
0: they join in, it makes it so much more fun. Hey, Jodie, I know you've got to get going. You've got a meeting soon. So I just wanted to say thank you so much for your time today and for our first little um, go at this last week when all that noise and rain just hit us from everywhere. And maybe you and I might be do- the classified as the rainmakers in um, Ooh, the area because it's raining here again right now. So. Yeah,
1: it is. Yeah, it started, it we started talking. <laughs>
0: Well, yeah, thank you again. And I think Lisa did a a really good job in finding the right match to the podcast show by having you come on today. So I appreciate your time.
1: Thanks for having me. It was good fun.
0: All right. Well, thanks, Jodie. Thanks,
1: Susan.
0: So listeners, I hope you took something away from Jodie's episode today. I did just by listening to her. It made me rethink some of the things that, you know, I'm doing in relation to business. We've got a few businesses here that not just coaching that, you know, I've got my husband's business and, you know, just to hear someone who was born and bred in this area, keep on working towards the betterment of her community and, you know the the ripple effect this woman is creating, you know, by the the types of projects that she's rolling out is incredible, and I'm sure she knows that. It was so lovely to see her today compared to last week. Last week, you know, she was definitely in her business, and you know, yeah, she just said, "Hey, I've made the the shift of my mind to work on my business." And it is so incredibly important to spend so much more time on your business when you get to that level. Yeah, it was, it was lovely to hear. So our next episode will be with an author uh, from the Sunshine Coast and she's going to tell us you know, the origin of her story and her book. Yeah, I'd just like to say thank you so much for listening. Yeah, I look forward to speaking to you soon. Mm-hmm.